Just a couple of days, well, a few days ago, it was in the evening around 20 after 10 and members of the Delta Police Department were called with a report of a missing person. This individual had apparently walked away from the Delta Hospital after being admitted there for some medical issues, including some potential dementia-like symptoms. So officers started and responded to a potential sighting of the missing individual, but they weren't able to find the person right away. So that's when technology started to play a role. And Sergeant Jim Ingram is joining us now, a Delta Police Sergeant. Thank you so much for taking some time today. Well, thanks for having me, Joe. Uh, so this was technology that was brought in or used to, to try or to help and find this individual. And uh, it was a drone that was helping with the search. Tell us a little bit about, if you can, what this drone looks like and how it works. Sure. So the, the drone that we used is a, a DJI M300. It's um, it's a regular style quadcopter drone. Um, size-wise, it's about three feet by two feet, so it's larger than your, your average drone that you're going to pick up at Best Buy. Uh, it weighs about 15 pounds or seven kilos. And then on it, we've got, uh, we've got multiple cameras and sensors as well as a spotlight. So the drone that was deployed that night had an um, uh, optical camera with a great zoom lens, and it also had a, a thermal imaging camera, like a FLIR camera as well, with the spotlight. So I would imagine that was key in using this drone in, in that even though it's the summer months and later days, 10, 20 at night, it would be getting dark or darker. So was that kind of key in using this technology and that it would be able to use that equipment? Absolutely. It, it was definitely dark once we had the drone deployed. So the, uh, the actual key to finding the individual was the, the thermal signature. We were able to see the, the hotspot in an overgrown field. And when you look at the area where this individual was last seen or a potential sighting, uh, people that know the area um, would know it's it's around an area of Dougald Morris, Morrison Park in in Delta. Does the is the drone able then to kind of survey a much larger area than say ground crews would be able to, even when you you know the general idea of where you're searching? Absolutely. So when when we got the original sighting it was in Dougald Morrison Park which is a you know an open field and fairly quick and easy to to see but then directly adjacent to that is uh some farm fields and some overgrown um bush area so to put a person or a team of people in there and and walk it would take a, a considerable amount of time especially if somebody is uh, is under the brush or um hiding or has fallen so when we can put the drone up we can place the drone over an area and then survey an entire field in a matter of minutes for an initial sweep of, of hotspots. And then we can do a, a more in-depth search with the spotlight and optical camera. And when you talk about that, that it, it was able to use the infrared camera or be able to, to pick up on a hot spot, and in this case was able to, to really pinpoint where the missing individual was, does it also pick up other things though, say if there's wildlife or other things that might be giving off heat? Uh, definitely. So. We'll, we'll see uh, we'll see wildlife for sure. Uh, it'll just be a, a smaller signature than it would typically a human being. So not enough that it, it would send you kind of in the wrong direction or it would be more confusing? Uh, typically not. But if, if we found a, a deer or something like we, we have, uh, it would be something we'd have to explore.
Right. Okay. Uh, With a case like this, when somebody has uh, walked away from a hospital or a health facility and the call comes in that this is somebody that does also have potential dementia-like symptoms, how important is it that that person is found as quickly as possible? Oh, it's immensely important. One, for their their health. Um, We don't necessarily know what their, their medical condition is like, but if there's any sort of medical crisis, we want to find them as soon as we can. We also want to find them uh, with as small a search radius as possible. So being able to get the drone out right away and decrease that, that search radius is important. And then the other thing to consider is the, not just that person's well-being, but the, the family and the loved ones and, and everybody wondering and waiting uh, and worrying. So being able to address that as soon as possible is key. And in this case, uh, was the person located and did everything turn out okay? Yep. The the drone was up for about 25 minutes before we found the person. Uh, they were located and uh, and continued to get the medical assistance that they needed. Has the drone been used before? Yep. We, we've used the drones. Uh, we've had the drone program for about two years now, and we use it for things like this. I think this one was the very first, uh, very obvious uh, medical save. All right. And and are there any privacy issues in that if a drone goes up? And like you said, it's it's bigger than you would see somebody using. I think people have probably seen uh, people using them that are drone enthusiasts that are using those smaller ones that you can purchase, but three feet by two feet. So it is, like you said, much bigger than the drones you might see your neighbors or your friends using. Uh, have, have you come across or are there any privacy concerns that the drone might be picking up things that it's not out there to pick up? Uh, there's definitely some concerns from the from the community and the public, and we we've addressed a lot of that in policy. We we don't fly the drones uh, randomly. We're not out there looking for any sort of random thing. When we deploy a drone, there has to be a, a specific mission that meets the requirements of the drone, and then we we're aware of the fact that we are uh, looking, especially from a different angle, um, at properties potentially at at people's properties. So we're only capturing media, so photos and video, that would have evidentiary value. Uh, And like I said, it's only for a specific purpose. If we were to use it for a criminal investigation, there's there's likely a requirement that we would have a warrant that would support the use of the drone. Uh, So we've come across that before. But uh, we're definitely very aware and, and sensitive to the fact that there are some privacy concerns. Right. Because I would imagine, too, even if somebody's home or, or yard or property happened to be close to an area where the drone was searching exactly that, you kind of wonder why there's a police drone hovering above your property. Absolutely. Uh, you mentioned criminal cases as well. I was curious about that because I would think, too, if you were in a scenario maybe where somebody was in medical distress or it was a mental health call, uh, is it used in that kind of scenario in that it might be less intrusive than, say, officers knocking on a door or showing up in person? Or or do you have to kind of assess whether or not the drone might further agitate somebody or, or be an asset? It, it's definitely a case-by-case basis. And We'll, we'll deploy the drone, but we'll also always have members on scene so there will be uniforms and police cars in the area to, to support the fact that there's something going on overhead. And as far as you know, you, you mentioned this program has been part of the Delta Police Department for a couple of years. Are other departments using this or is this becoming a more widely used technology? There, there's definitely uh, many departments that have drones now. Uh, I'd say, though, we're probably one of the first or or one of the few that uses them in a patrol capacity. 
where it's uh, used by our first responders immediately and as quickly as we can. Uh, right now, most drones are used for things like crime scene documentation, uh, traffic accident reconstruction, that kind of thing after the fact. The, uh, the use of the drone in the patrol setting is, uh, is fairly unique for us right now. Hmm. Do officers that use it have to take any kind of special training? Absolutely. All of our officers that, that deploy it have uh, Transport Canada advanced drone pilot licenses. They've gone through ground school, they've gone through flight school, uh, and then they maintain a certain number of hours every two months to maintain their uh, operational status as a pilot. And uh, so very, very interesting. And in this case, uh, again, talking about a, a missing person, is, is that where it, it really shines as far as uh, a tool that helps officers? Or is it, like you said, case by case, it also being used when, when appropriate for criminal cases or you used in those other areas as well? Uh, it's, it's case by case, and we're, we're always looking to, to see where appropriate uses for the new technology is. But the, the search and rescue, that missing person search, is by far probably the, the bread and butter of this, the system. So like I said, as, as we can get the drone out and deployed immediately and reduce that search radius, we'll find far more success in that immediate deployment. Interesting use of the technology, for sure. Sergeant Ingram, thank you so much for joining us for talking more about this. You're welcome. Thank you. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.